When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey there, this is Matt Leggetti, your favorite comic book yeti. Did you know that if enough people listen to this podcast, advertisers give us money? Money we can then use to, say, pay our journalists. It's wild. Totally unrelated, we make this podcast using Anchor by Spotify. If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Even Grant can do it, and he's a grandpa when it comes to technology. Love you, Grant. Let me fill you in on what some of us in the industry call reasons to believe. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcast, and more and they make it super easy. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, Anchor's totally free, which is great when you're, say, a comic book journalism website who lives on donations and boyish charm. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's anchor.fm. And hey, I love you. You are listening to Into the Comics Cave with your host, comic book heartthrob, Grant Stoy. Hello, fellow humans. Thank you once again for tuning in. Uh, I still don't know why, but I appreciate it. I'm joined with someone whose work uh, that we very much enjoy, uh, mostly from Resonant, but also from work uh, from the Ghost Thunder Collective. Uh, welcome, David Andrew. Hello, David. Hey. Hey, I'm great. Thanks for having me. What uh, you know? What just real pressing question I have to get right off the bat. Yeah, it's yeah. Just, where do your ideas come from? Oh gosh, <laughs> man, that is such a compelling question. I've never been asked that before. It's amazing. Oh my. Well, every night an idea fairy comes and visits me, <laughs> and I have to capture it, and then you know we fight, and then sometimes I can wring ideas out of them. Uh, yeah. Yeah, just once you break open that thought machine, all yeah. the things just come tumbling right out. Yeah, it's funny, and it's just like I don't know how to not have those ideas. You know, I don't, I don't know how to not do that. So it's like I don't, I don't. It's maybe having an overactive imagination and a boring life, and. <laughs> <laughs> I think Ambien helps. Um, okay. <laughs> but for real, though, David, yes. I just want to know, where'd you grow yes. up? Oh, uh, well, I was born and raised in Manteca, California. Uh, and I guess that's considered Northern California, even though it's okay. right in the middle. It's <laughs> right in the Central <laughs> Valley, uh, just south of of the state capital, Sacramento. Oh, and right on. 
Yeah, Mantico was famous for two things. One was the water slides. Uh, Wait, really? Man yep, Mantico water slides were famous. I remember being in, when I was a kid, on a family reunion in Oklahoma. And, and someone asked where I was from. I said, Mantico. And they said, oh, the home of the water slides. I'm like, how the, <laughs> I guess back before things like internet, uh, <laughs> people were bored a lot and they traveled to things like water parks. And I think the Manteca water slides were one of the first ones like west of the Mississippi. So super famous. People would come from all over to, you know, go on the water slides. And for us, it was the place that you worked when you were a teenager and you hung out there all the time to see like girls in bathing suits and things like that. And yeah, so that was like the main draw of Manteca. The other thing that Manteca was extremely famous for was the smell. It stank. It was a bad smelling town. Was that connected at all to the water slides? <laughs> Finally, it was not, even though you, you know, one of one of the jobs at the water slides was fishing the dead rats out of the bottom bottom pools oh my every morning because they would get the, the rats would get trapped in there and not be able to crawl out. Yeah, dirty places, water parks, FYI. <laughs> uh, but no, there was a sugar beet processing plant. Spreckles Sugar had a sugar beet processing plant in Manteca. And sugar beets, when you cook them, stank like hell. And it was... Really? Uh, yeah, so Manteca smelled all the time. Yeah, there was well, a... It sounds a, like an idyllic childhood. <laughs> yes, it was great. <laughs> And it was, I was, I'm old enough that it was like, hey, go outside and play, you know, was our form of entertainment. It's like, oh God, it's really extra stinky today. <laughs> There's a lot of beat in the air, mom. I don't really yeah, want to. Yeah. The beat warning uh, light has come on. We can't go outside. <laughs> no. So yeah. And uh, there was actually a local band that wrote a song, The Aroma of Manteca, and they had a little music video, and it was really famous locally. It was always on the local radio stations and stuff. Really ridiculous. What a stupid place to grow up, but yeah. I, I don't know. Like Now I want to like Google all this stuff. Just <laughs> yeah. verify the, the odor and the slides. Yeah, one of the, one of the major events was when they blew up the Speckles uh, plant. You know, they, they knocked it down, and I think there was a big there's a big cooling tower or something. I don't know. This was after I moved out. But everyone said, did you go see it? Did you go see when they blew it up? I'm like, no, because <laughs> not lame. I don't know. <laughs> number one, not lame. And number two, there would be stink. Yeah, it would be really stinky. Yeah, but it was kind of like, you know, my parents really wanted us to have that 1950s kind of suburban upbringing. So it was, you know, leave the house, ride your bikes all, all day, you know. You know, ride your bikes to school, ride your bikes home, go ride your skateboard, leave the house, get out a lot. And I think my mom was a big fan of us being tired as oh, children, yeah. so we would sleep a lot. So, you know, they put us in everything. They, uh, I took all kind of different lessons in musical instruments, which I have absolutely no talent in music whatsoever. And they gave us art lessons, which, again, you don't see me drawing comics, you see me <laughs> writing comics. So that tells you how that went. Uh, and like every sport that you can think of. So I took lessons in in whatever you have, golf, tennis, swimming, diving, racquetball, skating. If there was a lesson, my mom put us in it. <laughs> that is so aggressive. 
but I kind of yeah. respect it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she was. It was next level mommy because there was. We were never bored as children. Mm-hmm. Like we, we never had a, a day where we didn't have something to do. Uh, so we were just very, very busy kids growing up. And with all that stuff scheduled, when did comics enter your life? Like when did or the urge to write even? So I went to a very small um, private Catholic grade school. So there was like 28 kids in my class. Um, And in sixth grade, uh, this kid, Thomas Vaughn, transferred to our school from, and I think he lived in San Jose. And he brought with him, uh, this is 1986, um, a copy of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number two or something like that. It had just, you know, it was fairly recent, still on the stands, you know, but it was second, third, fourth printing. I don't know that that thing went through so many printings and I had never really interacted with comic books before that. And I'm just like, what is this? Let me see this and hooked. And we had an awesome comic book shop. Like looking back now, knowing what, comic book shops are like we had an amazing comic book shop in Manteca called comic dreams and um the owner just let us totally loiter and hang out literally all day every day so every day you know after school saturdays i would ride my bike down to comic dreams hang out all day they had like video game machines in there and read comics and 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 just from then on it was just i was hooked and i i started that summer, I think the summer, yeah, I think it was that summer after kind of being introduced to comics, I went over to my friend's house every morning and we were like, we're going to make a comic book. And so we created Assorted Animal Assassins, which of course had <laughs> nothing to do with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And I think we drew two and a half pages of it over an entire summer. So it wasn't done or good or anything, but that was kind of like, the start of of my comic book journey. <laughs> Does do you know where those pages are right now? I I've asked him so many times. I'm like, man, can you? And and I know he has them somewhere because his family like didn't get rid of stuff. Like there was like, you know, it was the friend you went to that had Playboys in the basement from like 1972. Right. So I, I know those pages exist somewhere, and I were I know exactly because my character because I I what we figured is I would draw my character and he would draw his character. Oh, that's so much more difficult. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and like, <laughs> and so like my character was a seahorse with katanas because yeah, it was a mutated seahorse that was out of the sea with legs, but I could draw like a seahorse face. Okay. I, think I maybe couldn't draw a horse face, but I could draw for some reason a seahorse <laughs> face. Um, yeah. I don't remember my character's name. It was probably something like Orion or something. Uh, and and I remember I would draw my seahorse in the scenes, and then he was drawing a lion dude that was just a straight ripoff of a battle beast. The guys that had the little holographs on their chest that was like yes. earth, uh, fire, or water, or wood, fire, or water, or whatever. It was like rock, paper, scissors, and he fought. <laughs> And he would just basically trace that guy. And, and he was always from the same position. So I could only draw my guy in profile. And he could only draw his guy straight ahead. It was a very dynamic book. It was very third level thinking. Let me tell you, this was good stuff. Yeah. 
I I want those pages. So I swear, if I ever find them, they're going up. You'll see them on Twitter the next day for sure. <laughs> yeah. Or what are you going to do when you see that someone has bought the IP rights? I know, right? I I need to have that as proof. This was my copyright first. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, and I think then in like eighth grade, I wrote a and drew a comic strip. And again, going back to my art skills, one of the major um, characters in the comic strip was an unhatched egg with legs. So it was just an egg with legs sticking out of it because I could kind of draw an oval with legs. And I think I had a rabbit and I don't really remember anything from that. But uh, yeah, there's somewhere somewhere in my archives, there is my comic strip. Did you ever try? Oh, sorry. Did you ever try your hand at like prose? Um. Several times. Yeah. You know, I never really like took it seriously. Like I would, I applied for like Wildstorm talent contest when I was in college and I wrote some stuff for like Dragon Magazine when they would have like contests and things like that, like make a module or make an adventure or something like that. Um, yeah. when I was playing some D&D and, and I remember just kind of doing things like that, but in, I just always took English classes in college um, for fun. Like that was my fun. Those were my fun classes. I actually um, accidentally got an e- English minor <laughs> without, <laughs> without meaning to. And actually I had enough credits for an English major, but I was like, I'll just have a, because I was a kinesiology uh, major in college and I went to, I was going to be a PE teacher basically and teach English. And so they're like, when I was graduated, when I was getting ready to graduate, they're like, oh, did you declare your minor? I'm like, oh, I didn't know I had to. They're like, oh, you have to declare a minor. if You can't just be a PE teacher. I'm like, oh, crap. And, and the graduation counselor was looking at my units and says, well, you actually have enough units for an English minor right now. And then she looked back. She's like, you actually have enough units for an English uh, major right now. Do you want a double major? I'm like, oh, no, it's fine. They'll just Yeah, I had just accidentally... And that was always my fun, always my fun classes were reading and writing. And, and I, and I did try to like start novels and things like that, but it's, you're not really disciplined and not, not committed to it. It pretty easily falls away. Yeah. Writing novels is really fucking hard. Yeah. Yeah. You got to write a lot. You got to start <laughs> oh, writing and just not stop. They have to remember the things that you have written. Be like, oh, that's, boy. That, that, that's my bugaboo. That's my thing, because I will remember literally that day. I will not remember. I go into, like, kind of a fugue state when I write. And, I like, I'll be listening to music, and four or five songs will go by, and I'll know, have no idea what I heard. And I'll look back, and I'm like, oh, I, I didn't even realize I had written that, that line like that. Uh, and, you know, when I started co-writing with with Tim Daniel, uh, he, I sent him a bunch of, I sent him my first pass on something and he came back with me. He's like, and he did his pass and I was reading it and I was writing him. Oh my God, dude, this line is so amazing that you wrote right here. I love it. This gave me chills. And he wrote back, well, it should, you wrote it, you dick. (laughs) I'm like, Oh, oops, sorry. So (laughs) I was giving myself really good compliments because I forgot I wrote it. Oh, that's funny. Uh, two things yeah. to note on this. I like that knowing that you and Tim were working together now was predated by your Animal Assassins uh, co-writing. Yeah. 
Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I've, I've improved my co-writing technique quite a bit. We, I write all the characters, and then he writes all the characters. <laughs> so, but don't be surprised if there's any seahorses in. Oh, I'm bringing it back. I'm just trying to get a little more cred in the industry before I really get into my good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and number two, like, what kind of music do you listen to? I'm really glad to hear that you listen to music instead of just like nothing. Because yeah. people who don't listen that to that anything... freaks me out. I'm like, what are you, a Thank serial you. killer? Yes. That's crazy. How can you be alone with your thoughts that much? No. Um, yeah, I don't. Uh, so I'm, again, I'm a little older. I don't do the Spotify um, making playlists and stuff because, Ooh. again, I don't want to spend four hours making a playlist when I can spend four hours writing. Um, I, I get it. I, people like that. Um, and I don't. <laughs> I don't remember the names of songs. I don't remember the names of bands. Like it would literally be the most useless exercise for me to try to write a playlist. Cause I would remember like two songs and then I'm like, well, that's it. That's all I remember. I don't know what I like. <laughs> so I actually have a Pandora station that is probably as old as Pandora is like when Pandora was just on computers. So right. yeah, I think like 13, 14 years ago, I started this playlist and I just kind of, Frankenstein it together with and it keeps growing um and it's funny because I can pick up what Pandora is doing sometimes because they'll like hit hit a certain time zone and it's like oh this is when I was going through a divorce because it's all like super sad stuff (laughs) (laughs) this is all like Damien Rice and Dashboard Confessional and it's all like I'm alone forever sort of thing (laughs) and then it has like some fun stuff in it later on but yeah autobiographical almost because i just start adding stuff to it based on what i'm liking at that time so like i don't know how the algorithm figures out what to play because there'll be like six months will go by without a certain song or certain artist playing and then it comes back and i'm like oh i haven't heard this in a really long time because it's not like based on one song or one artist or one genre it's just like whatever i was feeling at that time or whatever song i like at that time i just added to the list and I don't have like multiple playlists I listen to. Like this is not my, I'm writing action playlist. This is, it's, it's literally one Pandora station that I'm the only one that I've used forever. It's bananas. Yeah. So I love it. I, I, I kind of get into the music and if like a scene is going really good, I'll like be jamming to the music at the same time. And like, Mm -hmm. I, I need that. I need that. Um, I did used to write in like coffee shops and stuff. So I would like crank it up so I couldn't hear anybody. Um, we would do, we would do, you were talking about ghost center. My ghost center partner, Christopher uh, Alvarez and me would go and, and do like Thursday night, like art night. And it would be me and Christopher and maybe a couple other local artists and, you know, artists sit there and they're chatting the whole time. And I'm like, look, I can't, this is me coming out with you and then being a hundred percent antisocial because I'm not going to talk to you. I'm not going to look at you. I'm going to have my head down with a keyboard. I'm going to have my music pumped up and I'm going to write. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm like, I don't know why I'm here, but it was a good discipline action to be able to like, just say, okay, I'm going to go and write at some point, like at a designated time, designated day, every single week, you know? So you find you have to be more regimented and then you get uh, more work done. I I do like having a, a, a pattern. I like having patterns in, in, in everything. My partner makes a lot of fun 
of me because I have to do <laughs> things a certain, not, not OCD or anything, but I just like, like, I have steps. I always have steps to it. So these are my steps when I get ready in the morning. These are my steps when I get ready at night. These are my steps when I'm going out. You know, these are the steps I take. And I always like check off my checklist, do, 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 do. So it is nice to have like every Saturday, every Sunday morning, I uh, get up, grab my coffee and I write until uh, lunchtime. And so, you know, I just kind of have stayed, I can stay pretty disciplined that way. Um, before I started like really pitching things and saying, okay, I'm going to be a comic book writer. I, I set myself a year to write every single day. And so I wrote every single day for 365 days in a row. And sometimes it was 10 minutes and sometimes it was four hours, but every day I opened the computer, I wrote something and, you know, did that for, you know, every single day to make sure that I felt like I could discipline myself to write. And also if I need to come up, if I need to write tonight, I could get off of this call, open up my computer and start writing because my brain is conditioned enough to go, okay, now it's time to write and we write. Uh, so I do like to have my set times, but I also have kind of forced myself to develop that skill mm -hmm. that, you know, that I can write at any time. And I do think writing is just habit and skill. And, and it's not like, oh, you're so talented. It's like, no, you can learn it and then you can do it. And then you get better at it when you practice it. It's the same with art. Like you see these amazing artists and everyone's like, oh my gosh, you're so gifted. You must've been gifted right off the, off the bat. It's like, no, yeah. there's, there's reps. Like yeah. you have to get the 10,000 hours. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. And I think you need to start with, I, I believe you need to start with some level of talent because you could give me 10,000 hours and I would still be drawing an egg with legs on it. Because <laughs> uh, I don't, I don't have that. And I can say this for a fact and people are like, oh no, if you really tried, dude, you could do it. No, 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 no. Because I took piano lessons for eight years and I cannot play a single thing on the piano. I, wow. I never learned to take music in my brain and produce it through my hands. That never, ever became a skill that I had. I could memorize what my fingers were doing. I knew what it, when it sounded right or sounded wrong. I knew what, what note corresponded to my finger doing something on the piano, but it never, it never became, I have, I can think of a tune and I can play that tune. Like not even the most simple tune that you could ever think of. I could not even after eight years of piano. Wow. Yeah. I had a friend that lived with my family in two weeks. He taught himself how to play piano better than I knew in eight years. And I'm like, that's it. I quit. I never <laughs> do this again. <laughs> now you brought up something that I'm, I'm really curious about. Uh, you were talking about how when you decided to pursue writing, a bit more seriously when when did that occur and what kind of gave you that extra push to to dive in well i um so i you know was into comic books for a long time and would go to comic-con in san diego every year um you know all you know through late probably 90s early thousands and and had been going for you know the up till basically covid um but about, you know, when about 11 years ago, 12 years ago, when Skybound was created, um, I actually knew through a friend, Cena Grace, who was um, 
Robert Kirkman's editor on The Walking Dead. And so the show had just been announced. It hadn't started yet. And Skybound was being spun off into its own brand, mm -hmm. own image imprint. And it was going to have its own booth. And Cena reached out to everybody he knew in the comic book kind of community. Hey, can you, you know, come help, you know, work this booth? So long, long, long story short, I had worked the Skybound booth for three or four years consistently at all the major shows. San Diego, went to New York, um, did some shows in LA, did to Toronto. And so, uh, and my, my best friend started working for Skybound, uh, Sean Kirkham as their um, director of business development. Anyways, I started seeing the people creating comics and started getting introduced to scripts and, and what it looked like and what the process, and it's just demystified it for me. And I'm like, wait, I can actually, I can actually do this. And, and my ghost owner partner, Christopher, he had done a self-published anthology and I'm like, oh, we can just make our own comics. <laughs> I don't, I don't have to like, there's no, I don't have to like get a job in comics. I can just make a comic and so I started uh, just kind of going I want to I want to I want to write something and I was going through a divorce at the time and I'm like all right let me write sad sack uh, relationship <laughs> drama comics and uh, <laughs> so I wrote a script and I'm like this is super sad this is what I'm feeling at this moment this is what I had to get out of my head and uh, I actually had met Tim Daniel already and Cena, you know, through working with Skybound, and I sent them, I think I sent them both the scripts, and I got, like, really positive feedback that I wasn't expecting, and, and you know, especially Tim is like, you gotta, you gotta make this now, you gotta turn this into a book now, it can't just be a, can't just be a script, it has to be a book, I'm like, oh, crap, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, I made that book, you know, I got it public, I got it printed and sold it at uh, me and Christopher and, and our other ghost hunter partner, his wife, Hannah Moore. We started working conventions, local convention scene together and selling the book and getting good feedback. And they're like, when are you going to do the next one? I'm like, oh, crap, I got to do the next one. <laughs> <laughs> and so after a couple of years of doing that, I'm like, all right, I, you know, and like the whole time I'm writing and writing and writing. And then I took that year to write and I started having all these different stories and things that I'm like, I think I got some stuff here. I think I got some stuff that I want to, I want to see if I can, I can pursue this. You know, I, I felt like I was getting enough connections in the community and enough ins in, you know, the comic book world, which no, I'm, I don't have enough ins in the comic book world. Who <laughs> I does? So, yeah. I don't know. It's not me, whoever it is. Uh, so yeah, that's kind of when I started taking it really seriously. And, you know, kind of after doing that first book and going, ooh, this is, this is fun. I can do this. And uh, it's, it's, it's not terrible. People liked it. Uh, so. <laughs> so now I'm very curious. You've talked about how you're, you're regimented. You talked that you've got a lot of experience and just repetitions. What is your actual process like for, for making a book? Do you do like premise, outline, first draft or how do you tackle that? Okay, yeah, yeah. Skip those first two parts and just go straight to first draft. Yeah. What? <laughs> I don't do. I don't do. It's so funny. I don't do much in the way of outlining. Um, sometimes I'll do like general ideas, and I I kind of in the Stephen King. If you've read Stephen King's book um, on writing, oh yeah, uh, 
Yeah, so I kind of am the Stephen King method where I'll come up with a world, you know, like let's talk about Resident, my the comic through Vault. You know, I came up with this world that has this this idea that these waves make people follow their deepest, darkest impulses. Okay. And then I have this, and then I came up with a character. Okay. I want like a father separated from his children that have to get back. Okay. And it's like, okay, that's kind of like the Odyssey. So we'll kind of hook it around the Odyssey a little bit and I'll cheat and use someone else's ideas because it's what all good writers do, right? You just steal oh, yeah. from other people who are smarter than you. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And, and so then once I kind of said, okay, I wanted to have a couple of kids. I want the kids to have some, some limitations and, and maybe disabilities. And I'm like, okay. And now what does this first scene look like? And as soon as I started, I started, wrote that first scene that you'll see that is in the book. And that all came out basically in one big chunk. And I knew that first scene. And then, so from that first scene, I, I could just keep moving forward. And I've described my writing process as uh, jumping out of an airplane with the components to make a parachute and hoping I can knit it together by the time I hit the ground. <laughs> that sounds horrifying. It's the best. <laughs> I don't understand people that, oh, I'm, I'm working on this book and I'm just doing world building. I've been doing world building for like four months. I'm like, that's four months. I could have three scripts done. Let's mm-hmm. go. Let's, let's. I, you know, the good thing about writing is you can make it up on the way as you're going, right? Because mm-hmm. nobody knows what it's supposed to be other than <laughs> you. So a lot of times I will write the entire series, okay? And then I'll reverse engineer an outline to give to somebody. Oh my so gosh. I usually will write, I usually will write three full issues of something before I write my pitch document. Yeah. See, I think that's a, that's safe. I like that. That is a very good idea. Uh, for listeners that don't know, pitch docs are basically what you send editors, and yeah. you have to like it has to be succinct. You mm-hmm. have to be clear, and it's extremely stressful. <laughs> yeah, you got to know where you're going. You got to know how it's going to beginning, middle, end. I don't know that until I've you know walked that path with my characters. You know, like I didn't know how resonant was going to end when I was writing issue nine. I'm like, all right, we got an issue to wrap this sucker up. How are we going to do this? Okay, cool. Yeah. I'm like, do I have the components for a flamethrower? I'm like, yes, I do. I have the components <laughs> for a flamethrower. Oh, this is going to be kick-ass. <laughs> so when I talk, you know, when I talk to Tim about it, we talk a lot about seeding. You seed your, you seed your draft. So you put these little seeds in your draft and, and maybe they're going to not fruit into anything. But, but sometimes you get these really nice, happy, almost not accidents, but happy accidents where you're like, Oh, that thing that we threw in issue two, holy crap, we can use that now in issue five. That's amazing. And it looks like you had planned the whole thing. And, you know, if you write most of it before you pitch it, you can always go back and rewrite it to make it look like you have that all along. Yeah. I just picture you as like uh, Hannibal from the 18, like lighting up a cigarette as soon as you send the pitch out. You're like, I love it when a plan comes to That's right. That's exactly it. Yeah, and then it, you know, you, then you don't hear any emails back, so it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. It's totally fine. It's totally fine. It doesn't crush your your ego at all. It's no big deal. <laughs> but David, I have a question for you. Yes, sir. So, would you rather have fingers that were essentially tongues, tongue fingers, or a tongue in your mouth that's basically one big toe? <laughs> Can I taste with my tongue toe? Or is my tongue toe not taste? Tongue toe not taste. 
finger tongues taste. Yes. I would 100% have finger tongues. It is, you can wear gloves, A. You can wear gloves, but also if you can't enjoy food, what is really the purpose of life at all? So now you're saying so. <laughs> yeah, I I would take almost anything to not lose the taste in my tongue, you know. <laughs> Let's tweak this a bit now. Let's say you can taste with mouth mouth toe. Mouth toe. Does it have a nail? Because that's a little <laughs> yes. disturbing. Mouth toe has a nail, which I guess oh. could be used in the chewing process. Maybe I guess. But does it taste does it taste like a toe no matter how long it's in your mouth? <laughs> Because then everything you eat has toe taste. Okay. We're, we're working this out right now. We're workshopping it. Here we go. You, it functions taste-wise just like a regular tongue. So you don't okay. get like the gross, grimy, callousy bit yeah, on the yeah, floor. Yeah. So you just got this toe tongue. It does impede your speech a bit. It, oh, so it, it doesn't move like a tongue. It moves like a toe. Yeah. See, I see. I still think finger tongues are better. It's actually an advantage because I can just really taste all my food immediately. Like I would, if you could actually give that to me right now, I'll take it. Because then I'll just stick my hands in my food and just be immersed in flavor. Just gr- you're gripping every hamburger. Yeah, way yeah, too yeah. Tight. Well, I'm just I'm in there with spaghetti. I'm in there with pastas. I'm just shoving my hand in all your food. You can't stop me. I'm the mad taster. Come on. And I like that how you're honing in on that. Not like how crazy agile your fingers suddenly become. They're like <laughs> little tentacles. No, it's all about food. All I care about is food. <laughs> if if. Food is an option in this in this game. I, the food is going to rule everything. <laughs> oh, that's perfect. Okay, I'm composing myself. Because uh, now that's all I can think about now is just having yes. ten, ten, ten tasters. Ten little tasters. You're just like <laughs> going into the pastry store and just jamming yeah. your fingers. Oh. Yeah, what are you going to do? Let me, let me, I can just taste it all. I don't even have to eat it. It's just tasty, 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 tasty. That, David? That, that sounds like a superpower, not a, not a disadvantage. <laughs> this, is, this isn't a curse. This is a curse. This is a blessing. <laughs> now, we're at the point where we're going to discuss the five questions. These are based off of James Lipton inside the actor's studio. So, Got number it. one, I want to know. What is your favorite comic book sound effect? I have a friend on Twitter. His name is Kelly Brack. And he has lobbied every creator he knows to add his name, Brack, as a sound effect in their books. So Brack is my favorite sound effect. And I have put it in every, uh, it is in Resonant. It is in all the books that I have done since Resonant, which is none that have been seen yet. But if you look for it, <laughs> you will see Brack in everything that I do from now on. Do you vary the ways in which you use Brack? I'll add some A's. I'll add some A's. But yeah, no, I'll put it in there like letter for letter usually. <laughs> uh, <laughs> With one tiny footnote, I do love hand-drawn 
sound effects. Oh, absolutely. So, so like, uh, like a, a Daniel Warren Johnson, anything that's on the page. Like, I love hand-lettered pages where it's lettered on, like, the old comic pages where the lettering's on the page. That's my favorite. That's just, like, chef's kiss. I love that did, stuff. Did you see uh, Orcs by Christine Larson? I have, yeah. She hand-lettered the whole damn thing, and I can't <sighs> wrap my head around that. It's so amazing. It's such a skill and talent. I mean, letters and colorists in general are just the magicians of the comic book world. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, to actually do it physically on the page, ugh, that is good stuff. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I guess that almost transitions perfectly into what is something about sequential art that you love? <laughs> Everything. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, uh, I just love the versatility of it. But also, I have control over my reading experience. You know, you read a novel and it's, le- it's word, then word, then word, then word, then word. You know, you just have to read it from beginning to end. There's no real variation in the reading experience. You know, a movie is basically watched from beginning to end, you know, in sequence. The scenes last for only as long as they're up on the screen and then they're gone. Okay. I can take two hours to read a comic book. I can take five minutes to read a comic book. I, I love reading physical comic books. Um, I haven't switched over to digital because I look all over the page. I'll look the beginning, the end. I'll look in the middle. I'll go back and forth. My, if someone scanned the track of my eyes as I'm reading a comic, it would be like I'm a frenetic madman because my eyes are going everywhere all at once. Um, so I just love the 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 experience of reading a comic is I have so much control over that. I have so much control over how fast I read it, what I pay attention to. I can linger on a panel or I can go, let's go, let's go, let's go. Let me get to the end of this thing. That's a really good answer. I didn't, th- I didn't even think about it that way, but there's another side to this coin. Oh, what gosh. is something about sequential art that you dislike? Oh, so, so if we, if we turn it over, I like the control, how much control I have when I'm reading. I hate how much control I don't have when I'm trying to get comics made. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it is literally, you know, it's a the a, such a team sport, um, and I am like feel like I'm not even the water boy sometimes, you know, because I just have so little control over what pitches are going to be picked up what what artists I can get to work on it or work with me or partner with me, you know, um, their timelines, their their ability to finish things, how it's going to actually look <laughs> compared to how it looks in my brain. You know, it is when a comic comes out and it's good, it's magic. You know, it, it everybody has worked really, really, really hard on that thing. And even when it comes out and it's not, great so there's a lot of people that worked really really hard on that and tried to make it really good uh and sometimes you just don't have control over 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 how that happens you know so yeah i would like to have 20 books on the shelves every month but we'll see if we get one every couple of years (laughs) (laughs) and to pick things back up what is your favorite swear word that's not actually a swear word (laughs) Um, so my, 
my younger brother, he's 10 years younger than me. He's autistic. Okay. And so he, his speech is basically quoted movie phrases. Okay. So he, he has learned that he can talk and he can communicate with you, but sometimes, especially when he gets upset, he'll just yell movie phrases at you. And so one of them is good day, sir, from the Willy Wonka and the chocolate factory, because he's pretending to be mad at Charlie. And so when he's really mad, he'll yell good day, sir. (laughs) And so that's my favorite cuss word because that's that's not a cuss word because you just yell movie phrases at people oh it's so cathartic too oh yeah when you get the right one that you can just spit out yeah good day sir is a good one (laughs) (laughs) well david i have some bad news oh gosh you uh want a trip to uh like an aquatic resort type place oh nice some sort of water park some sort of water park, indeed. I'm glad you picked up what I'm putting down. Uh, however, you went in the snorkeling tank, and oh, you were drowned by yeah. a furious seahorse. Oh. I probably got tetanus while I was there, too. <laughs> it's the whole shebang. Dead rats floating <laughs> around, too. It was awful. Yeah. It was terrible. Let's say you go to heaven, and you're at the pearly gates, and Jacob Kurtzberg, a.k.a. Jack Kirby, is there, and he welcomes you. What do you hope he says to you? I think I hope he says, ah, people are still reading your stuff. Because uh, I think for me, like comics is my, and writing in general is just my attempt at immortality. You know, it's, it's something that's hopefully will live on uh, past me. Uh, so, you know, and, and that's kind of the dream, I think, is someone, you know, in 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, picking up a book that I read, I wrote in like the library and reading and go, wow, this is pretty cool. Who wrote this? And then they get to see my name. What else do I have as a human with this finite life uh, other than put something out into the world that can live longer than me? That's awesome. I really like that one. We've, made, we've reached the end. Uh, I want to thank you for joining me today, David. You've been a total blast. Um, where can people find you on the socials? At dbandry at, so that's uh, D as in David, B as in Brian, A-N-D-R-Y, um, on Twitter basically is the number one way. Please don't try to find me on Facebook because I don't even talk to people I know on Facebook. <laughs> uh, you can follow me on Instagram, same handle, at dbandry, but you'll mainly get pictures of my dog um, for as long as she's still around. <laughs> she's getting up there. She's 13 now. And she just, oh my had, gosh. Yeah, she just had a tumor removed on Friday. So she's, but she's an idiot and she's doing fine. And she's running around, even though she has a giant scar from her elbow to her shoulder. And she's oh, got flaps of skin floating around. And I'm like, just <laughs> lay down. She's like, oh, no, I'm going to run around. So I'm going to do 500 circles before you give me dinner. So yeah, you'll see pictures of my dog. You'll see some comic book stuff, but I'm, I don't Instagram that much, but I'm very active on Twitter. I'll respond to DMs and as long as you're cool, I'll be cool. <laughs> and if folks want to give you money, where can they do that? Um, so Ghost Thunder, you know, is my local kind of comic collective group that we um, produce comics and prints and stuff. Uh, we have an, um, we have a store every store. Uh, for uh, Ghost Thunder, and we're also moving stuff to um, uh, what's the other one? 
I don't know, look at my bio and it has, <laughs> should have a link to it. Uh, it's the other one. It's the other site that you can download digital comics and stuff from. I don't know. See, my memory, it just doesn't work anymore. Because uh, Christopher does, runs all that stuff. And he's like, I put your book up there digitally. I'm like, well, thanks. <laughs> cool. One less thing to think about. Yeah, so I have like my self-published my my sad sack relationship drama series that turned into a four book series, um, and and some shorts and stuff that I that me and Christopher do together. We're we're doing uh, an awesome '90s uh, pouch homage called Dead Blood, which is going to have big guns and and crazy stuff, and we're going <laughs> like full. We're going like because you know I was a kid of the image explosion, so we're oh, going yeah. full full '90s on this sucker, and it's going to be freaking amazing um so gumroad that's on gumroad there we go gumroad. there it is hey so ghost thunder on gumroad uh you can find uh stuff to download and then you know buy buy resonant in stores it, the first two volumes which is the complete series is out um everywhere comic book shops and amazon and all that garbage um <laughs> yeah buy 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 resonant and depending on when the, you hear this uh, by end after end. That's my new book with Vault coming out uh, early 2022. So in, in about another month, it should be on comic book stands. Oh, this might coincide delightfully. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, end after end, ten issue series. Me and Tim Daniel, Sunando C, um, Kurt Michael Rug- Russell, uh, Jim Campbell. That's the creative team through Vault. It's gonna be awesome. Well, shoot, I'm probably going to pick that up. Now that you mention it, and this episode is aired, I'm going to go to the store right now. Yeah, oh, look at that. There he goes. (laughs) Hey, come back. This has been a Comic Book Yeti production. You can find new episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and anywhere podcasts stream. For more information on the Comic Book Yeti, please visit comicbookyeti.com. And for more of Grant, visit grantstoy.com or on Twitter at Grant and Stuff.